Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Friday edition. We're here to talk all things injury. As you all know, teams have to fire their file their final injury designations in on Friday. We'll find out exactly what the questionable guys on doing Sunday, but time to freaking adjust the ranks, people, as I am always on Friday. Joined by two distinguished gentlemen. We got Dwayne the Rock McFarlane, who had his guitar playing before this episode. Feeling good, feeling loose, and also Andrew Erickson, both PFF analysts both great guys and both ready to talk some injuries guys how's it going Dwayne you first you musician you musician you <laughs> musician musician might be a better uh, term for what I am um, Ian man I'm doing good it's Friday and uh got week two coming on us man like it's like finally I've let all the wave of week one wash over you know and now it's like okay onward moving forward so excited excited to be on here where you guys are at on all these guys heading into week two andrew great day to be great how you doing as always super excited to talk about some of these injuries again never want to see players get hurt but more opportunities open up for some of these other players we got some things to review you know big big news especially when it comes to the first guy on the list so josh jacobs let's kick it off free Auden tate josh jacobs is out for sunday Jeez, Andrew, just way to take my freaking intro, man. All right, Josh Jacobs, toe and ankle injury. He has been ruled out. And before everyone freaks out about Kenyon Drake, like, guys, this pissed me off. I'm, I always screw over my friends in my home league because I know about the injury news before them. So I always get, they must, I mean, they probably do just already hate me by now. So I scooped up Kenyon Drake the second I heard this before I saw John Gruden's comments on the matter, which was that Kenyon will continue to play a role in our system no matter who the other back is. But but specifically asked, it's an opportunity for Peyton Barber. We really like Barber. We think he's a heck of a back coming from Tampa. I've had a chance to really get behind the scenes on him. I like the way he runs and catches and picks up blitzes. Kenny will continue to play a role in our system, no matter who the other back is. So personally, I put Drake up to RB26. Without this news, I think I would have had him a little closer to the RB20 borderline. I would start Drake, I believe, ahead of the Denver backs, ahead of Devin Singletary, Tyson Williams, Miles Gaffney asking Jamal Williams and more. So, Dwayne, let's start with you. Where do you have Drake ranked at this point? How concerned are you about the Peyton Barber effect? <laughs> well, what's funny is I guess John Gruden skipped the year where he played for Washington. He didn't need to scout that year. So he may not even be scouting the most recent film. It's <laughs> about to say, Green just doesn't even know his last name. Oh my was. God. Uh, I'm where you are, Ian. I actually bumped him up to, in the PPR ranks, I got him up to 26. Uh, I think one lower in half PPR. Listeners can keep me honest. You can go check out our latest ranks. And I want to say I've got him at 28 or 29 in standard. But I... You know, the guys you sandwiched all around him were perfect. Like, I've got him sitting right by Jamal Williams, but ahead of the Denver backs. Um, in a PPR, I've got him one slot ahead of Damian Harris. But in a standard, I've got him, like, two behind Damian Harris. Andrew? I have him at RB28. I actually have him behind the Denver running backs. I just like their matchup a lot better. I know that they're going to be able to run the football effectively against the Jags. And, look, Kenyon Drake, you're kind of ho he's kind of in a Mike Davis situation where we know he's not going to be able to run the football at all, even if he does get early down work, hoping that he catches a bunch of receptions like he did on Monday Night Football. So, again, you're the only way that you're playing Kenyon Drake is if he's your RB2 because I'm not putting my flex. I'm, I'm putting a wide receiver in flex because there's way, there's so many other receivers with upside, even like on the waiver wire that you can pick up and start instead of Kenyon Drake, who I think is a floor play at best against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
there are some pretty horrific uh, notes on this game going the Raiders' way. They are on the road going from Vegas to Pittsburgh for basically a 10 a.m. Pacific, you know, standard time kickoff after a Monday night game that went to overtime. And, oh, by the way, both of their starting guards uh, will be missing this game. So, other than that, though, things are uh, really setting up well for Kenyon Drake. But, yeah, I mean, he it's, is yeah, it's a— the worst matchup of the week, right, from, yeah. a, from a running back standpoint. I mean, if you look at our running back strength of schedule— um, tool on the site. It's a zero <laughs> and it, you know, it can't get worse than zero when it zero being bad, 10 being really good. Um, you know, and, and you've got him as a five, five and a half point dog on the road. I, again, I do think it matters a lot, whether I say a lot, at least it matters whether you're PPR or standard standard. I'm much, I'm much more like lean into what Andrew just said and probably just a complete fade of Drake. Whereas in a PPR, I'm much more willing to lean into him because I think they will have to pass the ball. So, not an injury note, but we did have 49ers OC Mike McDaniel say Trey Sermon will be active this week. We expected it, right? I mean, how messed up would that have been? Raheem Mostert gets hurt and Sermon still can't even crack the Trent active Cannon's game day roster. Over, over Trey Sermon. Yeah, like, come the hell on. That would have been absolutely ridiculous. So, Sermon will be out there. I personally do have Elijah Mitchell ranked one spot ahead of Kenyon Drake's uh, still. Andrew, do you share that sentiment? And I guess, what do you kind of expect this Sermon elijah mitchell split to look like i don't know i really don't know i'm kind of throwing my hands up in the air of what this touch backfield will look like between elijah mitchell trey sermon and even jamichael hasty because we don't even know who you know it could be hasty still as the goal line back so neither of these guys could score any touchdowns it's, it's jamichael hasty that ends up falling into the end zone so how dare you I, I i don't have a lot of confidence playing any of them i think that yeah mitchell makes the most sense to play him especially if you pick them up off the waiver wire changes are you needed a running back play I think he offers way more upside than a play like Kenyon Drake, where Kenyon Drake does have a floor because we know he's evolved in the passing game. He's going to catch passes against the Steelers. But Elijah Mitchell, you know, he could have 10 touches. He could have 20. He could have five. Like, there's just a wide range of outcomes with him. But if you're shooting for upside, I think that Elijah Mitchell makes a lot of sense. Dwayne, Elijah Mitchell versus Mr. Kenyon Drake. It's, it's interesting. We've got him, same spot. I've got Elijah Mitchell one spot ahead. Of Kenyon Drake. There we go. So. It's like we talk all week or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very interested in this one, though, because, I mean, it's uh, I expect a full-on running back by committee. I, I expect um, I expect Elijah Mitchell to start the game, maybe. <laughs> I expect Sermon to work in on first and second down. Um, I expect Hasty to handle the two-minute offense and the long down and distance work. So I expect uh, plenty of upset folks. I, I don't see this going to one back. That's That's the biggest takeaway. Yeah, you say that now until Carryon Johnson has 35 touches in a <laughs> magnificent performance. He's, if he's not in, is he on the practice? Is he on the roster yet? Or is he, I, I don't think, he's think still so. I think he's still practicing. Oh, when, so. when we get the inactives and he's not on it and he's been promoted, we're like, oh no. Oh my gosh, Sunday morning's gotta love him. Okay, another running back that was inactive in week one, but will now be back in the lineup. That is Zach Moss. So apparently, the Bills are now trying to say he was inactive due to health concerns. Note that he was not on the week one injury report at all. I understand he was banged up in the preseason, but that just kind of seems like BS to me. Either way, Devin Singletary was someone that we could at least feel better about as an RB3 after he got that 70% plus snap rate last week and really just dominated most of the backfield touches. Now, we're potentially putting Moss into the middle of this. Dwayne, does this make Devin Singletary like not, not startable for you unless you're in a complete pinch? Yeah, I don't want to play either one of these players, <laughs> you know, to be honest. Um, you know, Singletary couldn't do anything with everything. 
you know, I mean, so why would I want to use Devin Singletary now when he could give up maybe 30% of the work that he had last week? Um, to be honest, I think what we're hoping for is can they just give this to Moss and can we at least see if maybe he could get something out of, you know, getting the majority of snaps? I mean, that would be the preferred path. Um, it's just a, but for me for this weekend, it's, it's a situation that I'm just steering clear of. Yeah, Singletary, I, before this, I could get behind a little bit but with it. No, just just get off it. Uh, a couple other quick notes. Rashad Penny, just know, has already been ruled out with the calf injury. Chris Carson already had a 70% plus snap rate. People, workhorse stuff. Yeah, I could be even higher this week. Uh, you Chris can check Carson, out the, greater than Antonio I was about Gibson. to say. Greater than Antonio Ooh. Gibson. Greater. Wow. Dwayne woke up and chose violence and a guitar today. <laughs> On the Friday edition of this podcast, DFS episode with Andrew, we went over why Chris Carson, I believe, in that bottom 6K range on DraftKings is a better pick than Ezekiel Elliott. And also uh, spending up from Daryl Henderson, I think, makes sense there. Uh, DeAndre Swift, and this is for the Monday night game, but DeAndre Swift with the groin, Jamal Williams with the chest, they're fine. I know they've been limited, but Deuce Staley already came out. The running back coach and said, not a problem. Both guys expected the play now moving on to wide receiver this one hurt guys will fuller personal reasons will not be playing in week two you know depending on how you feel like brian flores was talking in his tone of voice you could wonder if he's even going to be playing the rest of the season for right now we'll just worry about this week no will fuller andrew are we getting behind jalen waddle and Devonte parker in a major way or are you just kind of like eh, not enough upside over here in miami no, I think that this is going to be a more high-paced game environment against the Buffalo Bills. Not really the New England Patriots game. That game didn't even that that game barely went over 35 points in Week One. Again, you saw the Patriots run the ball a lot, and so did Miami. But you no, know, the Bills don't want to run the ball at all. So two is going to have to throw the ball, and Waddle and Parker were his two main receivers. I think Parker's kind of interesting from a DFS perspective. Again, he had the highest target share, 25% target share, which was top 15 of all players last week. So Waddle obviously scored the touchdown and is the rookie, and obviously he's really explosive. So I like both of them as, as back-end wide receiver threes this week. So, yeah, I moved them right up, and the minute that I heard the Will Fuller news, I – took the over on Devontae Parker's 46 and a half receiving yards prop. So hopefully he plays and I can actually, you know, get, get, get some action on some of these props because everyone keeps coming inactive and all my props are voided because of it. So we'll see. Yeah, I kind of like the over in that game. It's only at 48. Uh, you guys can check out my mismatch column that goes out every Thursday. But one of the things I do is I take the situation neutral pace from each team, add them up, and see which games just have the fastest combined offenses. And nobody has a faster projected pace of play than the Bills at the Dolphins this week. So really not too concerned about the way the Bills looked last week. I think uh, Miami could be able to keep up here in a potential sneaky shootout as well. Dwayne, where do you have Waddle ranked? Are we, are we waddling all the way here? <laughs> to wide receiver you know borderline wide receiver two status already or are you you know pressing the brakes a little bit because we talked about the concerns on our game by game breakdown like one of fuller waddle or parker was probably going to have that more part-time albert wilson role but fuller's out of the picture so yeah. we're gonna see week one again yeah no i think you're fine with him right i, I would call him still a borderline wide receiver three just because we just need to see yeah. how this you know situation fully plays out but i think if you're in a 12 team league you know with three wide receivers and one flex waddle should be in your lineup probably almost guaranteed right in that format if you're in like a 10 team league no flex but you start three receivers waddle's probably not in your he's probably not in your lineup now everybody's lineup is going to be a little different but i mean that's about where i would start to put the cut lines um, as far as how i would handle getting waddle into lineups and ppr and half ppr 
Now, we got some Chicago Bears wide receivers to talk. Darnell Mooney, questionable with a back injury. Practice in full all week, though, and he's fine. Andrew, did you catch what's going on with Goodwin? Isn't he actually questionable? I did not see what was going on. I mean, I'm not playing any Bears wide receivers, right, okay, except, okay. except Alan all right, Robinson. So, and we're moving on. <laughs> Goodwin is questionable with an ankle injury. Okay, I thought Andrew was in the Mooney train. I guess not. I mean, I so like Mooney a little bit, but yeah, I mean, if Marquise Goodwin, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. It's Mooney okay. and it's it's Robinson, the main two this guys. Is, this is like last week when Xavier Rose was out and we were like, all right, people, we were playing Metcalf before, like, this doesn't matter. Here I am saying, well, Mooney without Marquise Goodwin, you never know. Way to, way to hold me in check, boys. Appreciate no, it's okay. it. Okay. Way to go deep, Ian. We appreciate it. <laughs> Moving on to the Colts, we got Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell questionable. Pittman's got an ankle. Campbell has an abdomen injury. I was joking around on Twitter that I think the Colts could enter Sunday with only Zach Paschal at wide receiver, and we'd probably rank him like in the 50s. Guys, what do we think about these wide receivers potentially being banged up, or is this just a Fugazi and more reason to just pound Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines? Dwayne, you first. The latter, what you just said. Yeah. I'm not really interested in playing any of these receivers. I mean, if, if you're in a, a really deep format, you know, you can play Pascal, right? You know, pick him up and you can yeah. play him if you've got an injury, like two injuries and whatever, you know, 14 team league, that kind of thing. But outside of that, I don't, I don't trust it yet. I mean, we're a weekend, right? And we've seen Zach Pascal do these sorts of things in the past and then, you know, kind of come up empty. And, and maybe, maybe he'll prove us all wrong and he'll play well. But yes, I think it's all, it's much more about kind of more like what I would say we saw with the Lions, right? I know it sounds weird, but it's like, how do you center your offense as much as you can, passing game and, you know, the running game around the backs? And I think that's what you're going to see. So if I were to give anybody a boost, it would be Hines and obviously everybody starting JT if they own him. So, yeah. you know, we don't have to go into that. They're not rushing them in DFS as much as they should, though, Dwayne. Not yeah. as much as they should. No, they are low. They are low. Yeah. Sorry. Jonathan Taylor is now the – I mean, he's the play in tournaments. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Ian, again, he's at 3.7%. It's, it's less than it's less than Ronald Jones at 6%. Again, the God. prices are different, so that's why there's a discrepancy. But, no, even Zeke. You know, I talked about Zeke as like a tournament play. He's at 10%. Like he's not – you know, people are on Zeke. People are – and that makes sense. And Chris Carson is all the way up behind Najee Harris as like the most – rostered running back so if you're looking for leverage it's it looks like it's either derrick henry or jonathan taylor and i'm gonna take jonathan taylor every single day of the week over derrick henry where's mixon now have. i know he was at five and a half earlier in the week he's up at 10 he's 10? up in that okay. 10 range yeah, yeah. so yeah it's, i agree taylor i looks that's like an the, easy pivot taylor looks like the leverage play and it's too yeah, easy though you guys know that one's going to shift at the end because all oh, the sharks are going to see it and they're like oh hell no can't give everybody that you know extra five he'll be up to 10 by game time <laughs> I'll tell you what, the two people I want to drop from the helicopter the most right now are Jonathan Taylor and Chase Claypool. We'll see what comes around by the end of Saturday, but I feel like one of them is blowing the hell up. Focusing back on injuries, though. We got Jamison Crowder with a groin, Keelan Cole with a knee, both questionable. You're starting Corey Davis, or at least, you know, you're pretty loaded if you're not. I mean, we're talking at this point a true borderline wide receiver, too, and maybe we're still not giving him enough credit there. Just keep in mind, you know, for those expecting an Elijah Moore bounce back, I mean, Crowder and Cole are back in the picture. We could see an ugly 4-5, like, wide receiver rotation. We just don't know how the snaps are going to exactly play out. Uh, Marquise Brown was questionable with an ankle injury. 
injury. He was limited on Friday, so we're expecting him to go. But just be aware with that being a Sunday night game, try to have someone on your bench, you know, whether it be Sammy Watkins or, you know, worst case of Demarcus Robinson, just someone you can put in worst case uh, if it comes to that for Hollywood. And then we have a couple notes on the Bills here. Gabriel Davis, questionable with an ankle injury, limited Thursday and Friday. Manuel Sanders, I believe, is good to go. He practiced in full on Friday with a foot issue. Guys, out of these Bills receivers, we know Dix is the alpha, but more and more, I think in Beasley and Sanders, particularly if Davis is out, maybe we're letting these guys go a little bit too far under the radar because, I mean, if Josh Allen is gets back to being Josh Allen, he's, we're going for 300-plus and multiple touchdowns, Dix can't catch all those. Like, Dwayne, we not giving Beasley and Manny enough credit in the overall ranks? Yeah, we're not. Um, I mean, and I know why it's hard is because you look at it, well, he's a slot receiver. But it's what you said. You just have to think about the offense as a whole. And, I mean, if you look at last week, you know, Beasley was out there for 98% of the routes. That was tied with Diggs. 27% of the targets, tied with Diggs. Targets per route run, 20%, tied with Diggs. I mean, so, I mean, I feel like there's a trend here. Obviously, Diggs is going to get more air yards. He's targeted further down the field. Um, both of them target on third downs. Both of them getting good play action looks. So, yeah, I think Beasley should be higher in our ranks. ranks. And Emmanuel Sanders as well, If especially if Gabe Davis doesn't play. But, I mean, yeah. that's not even that huge of a factor, Ian, because, I mean, Sanders was out there 94% of the routes last week. And that's with Gabe Davis being out there 60%. I mean, these guys are willing to use 10 personnel more than any other team in the league. I think Andrew, actually, you had a, it was, I think it was you that had a cool stat about that and how the next closest team was like a thousand, you know, plays away from where the Bills let's were. Hear, let's hear it, Andrew. Wait, well, I'm not, I'm Andrew, not sure exactly. Like, no, I don't know. I don't I'm know. not even sure exactly what that stat is. I, I you know, I do have a lot of stats, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just, it was just about, the, you know, the Bills by far use 10 personnel, <laughs> oh, which is four yeah, wide receivers, okay. more than anybody else. The next closest being the Cardinals, but it's really not close despite how aggressive the Cardinals can be with 10 personnel. So, yeah, Ian, I think you're right. Um, I think what happens with these guys uh, is people don't know who to choose. So it forces them both down. And so my thought is if you're going to play DFS, Hedge you want, if you want an Allen stack, like do it with Diggs and Beasley, Diggs and Sanders. You know, heck, you could go naked Diggs and just go Allen and Sanders and Beasley. And if Allen were to go Ooh. off and Diggs didn't do anything, like that's a differentiator for you. Yeah, and for those that didn't catch that Bills game, Manny Sanders should have had a 50-yard walk-in score. Josh Allen just sailed it a little bit over his head. I mean, Josh Allen reminds me of that old like Mike Vick commercial when he literally throws the football <laughs> like, the out of the stadium. <laughs> I, I, th I think uh, Allen could really do that if he set his mind to it. Um, also, just a reminder here, Michael Gallup is on the IR with the calf injury, meaning Cedric Wilson should be out there in the majority of three wide receiver sets. Now, Dwayne, when we talked earlier in the week about Cedric, you know, we weren't super on him as a waiver wire guy just because you know Noah Brown wasn't active that first week and it would make sense if Dak just condenses more targets to uh, you know CD and Cooper but Andrew we're talking about from a DFS perspective and now I'm still looking at the ownership here at 2.2% it's like Maybe everyone getting burned on Callaway, the Moors, on Marshall last week. Maybe now everyone's afraid of these 3K receivers because I'm seeing Dak Prescott's number three receiver at 3,100 at just 2.2%. Yeah, well, the one thing I will say about his roster ship is uh, ESPN's Mike Clay, a PFF veteran. I uh, tweeted out uh, Chris Harris Jr., the slot, the slot cornerback for the Chargers, is out, and he said, this is a boost for Cedric Wilson's sleeper appeal and DFS punt appeal so Ooh. i expect cedric wilson's roster ship to expand dramatically because mike clay has a massive following over at espn he does great work there so yeah i mean i think thanks wilson, a lot mike damn <laughs> think, it dude i think yeah i think getting behind wilson makes a lot of sense he's, and he's really cheap but 
for me, it's it comes down to him versus Jalen Guyton and whoever's the cheaper guy. I mean, like they're basically kind of like the same guy. The third receiver playing in the highest total game. If one of them is significantly rostered more than the other, then I'll just go with the lower going guy. I think it, I think that's the best approach because I mean, realistically, they probably have a very similar projection. They run, they have a similar role. Where I would argue, you know, maybe Jalen Guyton has less competition. Again, it's it's close. So yeah, you there, really there are two guys like I'm not using them unless I'm stacking it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's like I'm not using either one of those players unless I'm playing Herbert or Dak. But I agree, Andrew, with your thought process. That would actually probably drive my ownership. Period. Like in the way that I would construct those rosters, if if one of those two is going to be lower owned, that probably also helps me. I'm going to be more overweight on the pairing of them with their quarterback. Right. Okay, so one more receiver spot to quickly touch on. I'm sure no one's considering playing this guy in season long, but Browns, field stretcher, third-round pick, came out of nowhere to actually have a pretty nice game last week. Anthony Schwartz, questionable with a hamstring injury. It's been something he's kind of been dealing with all camp, so tentatively expecting him to get out there. But I don't know. We were kind of mocking the idea OBJ wouldn't be active here last week based on Stefanski's comments, so we should at least you know consider this uh, for what it's worth. Could we be seeing a Donovan Peoples-Jones post-hype week perhaps i mean we were talking about trying to leverage you know potentially uh go against the grain here in dfs here andrew everyone and their mother wants to play nick chubb and kareem hunt this week i don't know baker in either dpj or schwartz hopefully we get some more info and jarvis landry maybe that's a little way to mess up a, a tournament or two yeah i like that move there we know the browns are going to score a lot of points we think that's going to go through the run game but this sometime baker looked good last week throwing the ball like give him credit again besides that one turnover it's like he played really well so i think that the passing game could definitely take a step forward in, in this matchup against the texans and i mean i have schwartz it plays i like him a lot you know it was weird he played strictly in 11 personnel and 13 personnel so hmm. he didn't play in 12 which i thought was kind of weird i was like so he's not playing with two tight ends but when the browns went really heavy with three tight ends they had him as the lone wide receiver in the formation so they kind of almost set up as hey we're gonna pound the ball here oh wait no we're actually gonna do play action and throw it deep to our guy that runs four two so schwartz with the speed can break off any big play so I do like him if he plays, but then if he if he's out, then we know at least Don Peoples Jones has to be the next guy up, unless it's Rashard Higgins or someone else like oh Simper. I, I don't anticipate that happening, and didn't anticipate Schwartz having a massive role in Week One. But I would assume that DPJ would would take that next step if Schwartz is inactive. So I would definitely go to him in DFS at 3K. I think he'd definitely be in play. Some quick uh, tight end notes here. Zach Ertz with his hamstring injury is good to go. Unfortunately, no major bump for Goddard. Also, Eric Ebron with his hamstring injury is good to go. So no Pat Fryermuth free square in DFS land. John Smith is questionable with a hip issue, but he is tentatively expected to play. If not, Hunter Henry would have a major bump up in the old ranks. Let's talk about one more situation that I uh, forgot to write down on our old show sheet here, but certainly still impacted by injury. I know a lot of people are trying to get exposure to this Broncos offense not having Jerry Judy in the lineup with this ankle for at least four to six weeks we're anticipating Corlin Sutton being the one but I know a lot of people have gone spent waiver wire pickups on Tim Patrick on KJ Hamler I mean if we learned anything from that Houston Jacksonville game I think it's that we want to be playing guys against this Jaguars defense as much as possible Dwayne where do you have Sutton Patrick and Hamler kind of winding up in your final ranks yeah, I've got Sutton at wide receiver 25 in a PPR. Um, I've got Patrick at 
wide receiver. He's in, I got him in the four in the low forties, and then I've okay. got Hamler just behind that. I, I think Patrick's gonna be on. He'll be on the field more. I expect him to be out there whenever they're in 12, 21, All the two personnel, all the two wide receiver personnel stuff. But I expect Hamler to get out there whenever they're in three wide. So I just ranked them according to who I thought was going to be on the field for more routes. Andrew, are you also Patrick over Hamler? Yeah, I'm also Patrick over him, but I'm just generally lower on the Broncos receivers in general. And that's also why I'm higher on the running backs because that's what kind of makes sense there. So, yeah, I'm just Colin Sutton's wide receiver at 35 for me. So, but I I get the matchup. I think that it's a good spot for him. I think you can start him. I want to see how things play out with Patch because they use a lot of two tight ends too. So, how much are we going to see them in 11 personnel? I think it's question mark. And I do think they're going to run the football a lot. So, I think we're only going to see one Broncos receiver potentially eat in this matchup. So, I'm shying away that others that except for Sutton. Yes, Sutton no longer with that. Bradbury shadow, certainly expecting bigger things from him. Want to run through some more general offensive line, defensive injuries before we get out of here. Chargers place their right tackle, Brian Beluga, on the injured reserve list with a back injury. Hey, you know, it helps out they're facing a Cowboys defense that won't have Demarcus Lawrence or Randy Gregory this week. Uh, Packers place their edge rusher, Zadarius Smith, on IR with a back injury. That is not good. The Packers are low-key, I think a little, I guess they got more guys in the D-line, but when they were so good in 2019 or at least a lot better than they were in 2020 a big reason was Zadarius Smith getting more pressure than just about anyone other than Aaron Donald obviously can't do that on the IR uh, Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore is a game time decision with a thumb injury not a guarantee he'll be you know shadowing DJ Moore anyway I think DJ Moore could win even if he does get shadowed by him obviously it would be a small upgrade for all Panthers receivers though if he is out uh, also the Vikings they don't have linebacker Anthony Barr with a knee the Defensive lineman Everson Griffin, who was in a car crash and got a concussion. Uh, cornerback Harrison Hand also with a hamstring injury. So expecting, you know, some sort of fireworks in that Vikings-Cardinals game, at least from the Arizona side. We'll see if uh, Kirk Cousins and company can hold up their own. And then with the Buccaneers, secondary, no Murphy Bunting. Carlton Davis is questionable. Calvin Ridley season. I know Andrew wrote that <laughs> note down uh, with our little SZN season going on. And then also, finally, Saints linebacker Quan Alexander uh, has hit the injured reserve list with an elbow uh, as well so you know again with matchups and with defensive injuries and stuff it helps I don't think it's a reason to completely you know reverse your rankings that you've been doing all week based more on workload and efficiency stuff but yeah guys any uh, of those really stand out to you Andrew in terms of just actionable now like who you want to play more instead no I think that I mean the Packers defense is definitely like not as appealing as an option without Zadarius Smith. And I guess like the Saints, you could say, are not as appealing like a DFS perspective without Quan Alexander because it matters. And same thing with Marshawn Lattimore. You'd like to have him out there. I know they're going to have Bradley Roby, but he just got there. So you could definitely see him having like a blown coverage or two or something like that. So I think that's a potential. And Belaga, Belaga was hurt all last year too. So they have guys behind him that have experience and that offensive line as a whole is so much better. And you mentioned the Cowboys are down pass rush, so it kind of evens things out anyway. So, yeah, I think Justin Herbert's still going to have all day to throw the football, so he should be fine. Dwayne, anything you want to get off your chest with the moves I just mentioned? No. No. I think Andrew's got it all covered. Sounds good. Now, Dwayne, I do want your opinion on one thing that came out. We had Kyle Shanahan getting asked about Brandon Ayuk, noting that he would have got his spot completely back if not for the hamstring injury before the final preseason game. I, I 
want one person to ask Kyle Shanahan why he had Brandon Ayuk out there on punt return if his hamstring was such a big issue. But I don't know. The be- Could you, you imagine know, the, the be- glare you would get? <laughs> yeah, and, and Kyle you also you, you your your, uh, your press pass would be revoked. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And Kyle also threw an unnecessary, uh, unprovoked shot, if you will, at fantasy football at the end of his uh, answer there, saying people care so much because of fantasy. He's like, I don't know, man. Bring a lot of eyeballs to your sport. Don't he's, need to make a, an enemy us. out of it. He's, yeah. he it's working, Andrew. <laughs> I know. I'm triggered. <laughs> so It is working. So, Dwayne, that's my long way of saying, like, uh, look, I know you used the C word with Ayuk earlier this week. You did it. You said after yeah. a couple more weeks we could think about it. Does this help your thought weeks. process on that? If, if this is true, I mean, you couldn't get much more. You couldn't get much more direct and positive than this. Like this is a really yeah. good quote, right? He would have gotten his spot completely back. Kyle Shanahan's so full of shit. Earlier this week, <laughs> the story was, oh well, you know, he might be able to rotate less. So it went from okay, he's hurt, but I'm going to play him on special teams. To, well, you know, Trent Sherfield's really good, so maybe he can rotate less. To now, oh, no, if he's healthy, he would have completely got his spot back. So, I don't know. I mean, he said something different every time. I don't – I don't either – either he just doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, which I doubt. He's a smart guy. Or he's just jacking with us, like Andrew said. Like, he's, told, he's totally just trying to troll with us. And we'll just have to see. Like, if I have another option that I can play this week besides Ayuk – I'm going to do it. And I drafted a lot of teams really deep at receiver. Like I went with an anchor and I like went receivers like six picks in a row. So I'm in a spot where I can just move Ayuk to my bench, not worry about it. But if you're not, this is about as good of a, this is about as good as you could hope for. Like what he's going to say. Now, tomorrow he won't speak to the media, but if he did, he could change his story. <laughs> you would be screwed. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I'm still going to hold the line on if I can avoid in my, you know, and to be clear guys, when I said cut, since Ian Ian's trying I to do know, Ian's I trying know. to do what our social media team does to us, <laughs> you know, which is hang us out there to dry. Love you guys. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was if he you know was continuing to not play and yeah. only seeing half the snaps. Yeah, I'd eventually move on. My biggest concern with it is like, well, now Debo's already asserted himself as being more than just you know, oh, yeah. a screen guy or a jet a jet pass guy, and then you also have George Kittle, and you have a team that wants to run the ball as much as they can. So it's like, okay, if I was drafting today, even if I knew Ayuk was completely healthy after what Debo did week one, like that moves him down some for me. Because if it's going to be truly a three-way spit, split, because the bet we were placing on Ayuk was because he's a good player, the, we're, the bet we were placing was he was going to continue to separate himself from Debo Samuel and potentially it'd be him and Kittle as the 1A, 1B. And really you kind of have like a 3C in Debo, right? A guy that they yeah. use wrinkles and create looks for. But now after Debo goes out and gets targeted all over the field, and oh, by the way, looks good. It was the Lions. Um, you know, got to gotta you know make sure that we get that caveat in there. It was the Lions. But I mean, he looked good enough that I worry we're in a pass heavy offense with three options. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that scared of benching him if I can. The one thing I don't get with this Ayuk and Moss stuff, they're coming, the coaches are coming out and saying the reason they didn't play was injury related. Like that, they should be getting fined for that. Like that has happened before. The Steelers got in trouble in 2019 for not revealing Ben Roethlisberger's elbow injury on the injury report. That's what so the that's Patriots another. Just say everybody's questionable. Yeah. So they don't have that's to worry about just that. ignoring all the injuries on the Patriots injury report because it doesn't matter. Tom Brady yeah. was on. Tom Brady had a shoulder injury for 10 years. He and did. 
Everyone's everyone's questionable, yeah, and they got rid of the probable to make our life even harder. But that's why we do this injury show every Friday to try to clean things up for all you guys. Before we get out of here, let's just quickly touch on uh, the takeaways from that awesome Thursday night game between the Washington Football Team and New York Giants. Dwayne, I know you were doing great utilization stuff uh, throughout the game, so I'd love to get your thoughts on these backfield because I was watching the game from a bar after having had way too many Pacificos, and you know, like I was just kind of yelling stuff, tweeting bullshit by Antonio Gibson. I didn't exactly have my eyes on uh, the snaps the same way you did. So give me your thoughts on, uh, let's start with Washington, Gibson and McKissick and your level of concern for Antonio moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, so Gibson played on 61% of the snaps. He, he handled almost 70% of the rushing attempts. Um, so it's kind of what we talked about earlier in the preseason, Ian. That's really where he's landed. He's going to be the primary back as far as getting the rushing attempts. But what we also saw is when it came to long down and distance, which is uh, third or fourth down and over seven yards. And the reason I choose that as a cut is I don't just choose these arbitrarily, guys. Like I do a zoom out every year. I look at the league. What are the trends? How are things changing? And I'm looking for spots where we know undebatably teams are going to pass in these situations. So that then gives us a clearer cut image of, okay, in on passing downs, which backs do they prefer? And if you look at it from McKissick last night, 100% of the snaps on long down and distance, uh, he was in a route on 83% of the dropbacks. You go to the two-minute offense, and it was McKissick again on 100% of the snaps, 93% of the routes in the two-minute offense. Antonio Gibson did squeak on the field for one play, and he got to pass block. So that was really awesome in the two-minute offense. Um, and it was kind of an accidental thing where it was just like, oh, let's do a hurry-up play real quick. Oh, just kidding. We're not really in the hurry-up. We're not going two-minute offense. Just kidding, Antonio Gibson. Just kidding. Um, so, I, look, I still like Gibson. You tweeted about it earlier. He's still a borderline RB1. Just I think yeah. folks just have to understand it's my favorite thing to watch on Twitter right now because the fact that he used to be a receiver in college has people flipping out <laughs> because they think because that happened, like, how can this not be? How can this not be? And I get it. We do it all the time. We want one and one to equal two so bad, but sometimes it just doesn't, right? Because the coaches won't let it. And that's just what we've got on, going on right now with Gibson. So essentially what he is, Ian, he's a first and second down back. Um, he's going to get the short down and distance. He's still getting all that. So when they get inside the five, he's going to, I know he didn't get it last night and that really sucked because it was in the two minute offense. And that's why McKissick got to poach the touchdown. It's not like McKissick will normally get those. It's the situation that, that, that the carry inside the five happened, happened to be in the two minute offense at the end of a half. And that's why McKissick got it. So I think you're still going to get the majority of the touchdowns. You're just not going to get the receptions that you'd hope for. It could still be good, right? Gibson could still get to 50 receptions. Just the people that thought we could get to 80 90 and that was going to be part of his upside which was a big part of the storyline behind gibson it's just not going to happen unless mckissick is hurt the part that just infuriated me like i'm not saying gibson needs to play 100 percent of the snaps i realize mckissick does good things it's like the jamal williams we always talk about this he wasn't bad behind aaron jones we just wanted aaron jones to get more that's we a want great gibson example. to get more and but what perplexes me, clearly Washington feels Gibson is the better running back. That's why he's the starter. That's why he gets the overwhelming majority of touches. Like they were coming out of timeouts with like single play moments and still putting McKissick over Gibson just because of the arbitrary time on the clock. So disappointing. But yeah, he's a more of a borderline RB1. Dwayne, as you said in August, he just has more of a Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, at least what we were expecting Jonathan Taylor to have more of that type of workload than the DC CMC most people were hoping. But yeah. The last thing I'll say, the beauty of it is if something were to happen to McKissick and not, it's like Andrew said, we don't wish for any of these players to get hurt, but um, 
we know that he has the skill set that he would turn into an elite asset at that exact moment. Like there would be no doubt, like he would be a top five back every single week. So the way I look at it, it's hard to sell him in if you own him, because as soon as you do, and then that happens, I mean, I would want to get over asking price to give away Antonio Gibson now. Right. And if I could buy low, I mean, I would be fine, but I would really want to buy pretty decently under the asking price. So that just puts it in a situation where it's tough to buy low. It's tough to sell high. He's kind of one of these players. If you own him, you kind of own him. Now, now what I will say is there's typically in every league, one or two people that are just fanatics about Gibson. So you can try to play that to your advantage, but make sure the person, this is a situation where I am wanting a person to overpay because I do not want to be the person in whenever McKissick does go down. Then I'm like, wow, I just traded away my season. Awesome. Madness. Let's move on to the Giants side real quick. First of all, Daniel Jones, I thought, played a very good game. Unfortunately, he just didn't get the help he needed from his teammates. Catch that ball, Darius Slayton. I know it was on the fingertips. Professional receiver touches your hands. Come down with that sucker. But, you know, I guess it's just a Jason Garrett effect. Even if it wasn't, even if it was a good play call, you know, Jason Garrett just has the bad voodoo going down to everyone around him. But the main event was Saquon Barkley. And it really has opened up one of the first times this year that I've seen the thing that pisses me off. Off more than just about anything on fantasy and NFL Twitter when people say, oh, take away Saquon's 41-yard run and look how bad his yards per carry was. No, people. Have you never watched Saquon Barkley play football, like even going back to Penn State? He's always lived and died on these massive runs in between a lot of inefficiencies otherwise. So, no, you can't take away his 41-yard run. Just like I'm not going to sit here and only focus on the 41-yard run, all right? They all count. Let's treat him that way but with that said what we did see was Saquon really get back to playing a near every down roll 84% snap rate and after having a brutal start in the season schedule wise let's be honest Broncos and then on a short week the Washington football team we get Falcons Saints and Cowboys next Andrew we're buying this dip yeah 100% buy the dip on Saquon Barkley I'm not I don't get why people are, are shocked that he started out the season. This is like what we all expect. This is what I expected. Look, the Broncos Washington football team. We knew what the schedule was going to be. We knew he was going to face tough defenses. Everyone was telling us that he was going to be ramped up. They weren't going to use the full workload. We get reports from the beat reporters before every game. Saquon Barkley's not going to be unleashed. Saquon Barkley's going to be on a pitch count. They're going to use more Devontae Booker. And we're all freaking out because, oh my God, like he's not he's not Saquon Barkley. Like, yeah, no, no way. Of course, that, because that's what... You can say no shit, Andrew. Under- you can just say it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him really say it. No way. <laughs> it was clear the whole time that this was going to happen. And now he gets Atlanta in week three. Like Atlanta is going to be the bounce back spot for every single player that has a bad week the week before. <laughs> like Mike Evans this week, bounce back against Atlanta. Great. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, week three. Like, and we saw Daniel Jones move the ball. Like, look, he can be a decent enough quarterback to at least move the football to help Saquon Barkley get opportunities. So I think that he's a buy. Look, is he going to get as many receptions? Probably not, as he did when he was in his absolute prime. Like, that's obviously the biggest thing, especially because Daniel Jones runs, and he's just less likely to check it down than Eli Manning was. So maybe that top five upside isn't isn't there from a fantasy standpoint, but we know the talent's there. And look, you know, Adrian Peterson, again, I hate to bring that comparison, but, you know, when he came out of his 20 ACL, he did not start the season off, like, hot. He didn't. And then he rushed for 2,000 yards. So it can happen. Like, he gets 10 days off, and I'm just going to – like, if you have Barkley, you need to hold him. And I can guarantee you'll feel way better about him after week three. And if you can get him in a trade right now, like whatever receiver you have on your roster that like goes off randomly this week, trade him for Saquon Barkley. Guarantee you can do it. You know, I have Mike Evans. If Mike Evans has a big game, okay, I'm going to trade him for Saquon Barkley because I want a running back. So that keep that in mind with 
what happens this week or what transpires, use one of those players that you have that has a big week and trade him for Saquon Barkley. I think that your roster will be better off. Guys, moral of the story is that NFL Week 1 is in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get with the PFF subscription? I'm happy you asked. All of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboard, 0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team, player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop, and more. Check out the highest graded plays from Week 1 and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for Week 2. And also, people, Week 1 may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet in any football game. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT and finally people we are proud to say the pff fantasy football podcast is sponsored by western and southern financial group while you focus on your football lineup western and southern can help you figure out your financial game plan their playbook of life insurance retirement and investment solutions can help meet your needs so you can rest assured on game day they'll help you understand your needs and focus on your financial goals with a custom plan just for you visit western southern to get started boys not too bad of an injury week two i'm knocking on wood right now ideally now that we have week one go through maybe we don't get a bunch of random healthy scratches on sunday uh either but both of you have produced a ton of great content on pff.com throughout the week andrew let the people know what you got if they want to check it out and i don't know maybe win a fantasy football game or two this weekend pff stardom situm is up there we got the dfs cheat sheet and we're going to be doing a DFS live stream you know, real soon. So make sure you go check that out as well. And I'm on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Dwayne, what's good, man? Yeah, rankings, tiers um, are up. I've got an article looking across all of those um, by position. Got the smash and fades all for Ooh. the week. The upgrades, the downgrades, all in an article. That hit today. And then, man, the utilization report. It's, it's always good. In. you can use it anytime you want you know i got a lot of great feedback on it so i was really thankful because i tried to like make it the best it's ever been since like this is my full-time job now i was like i should probably like make this thing really kick ass um and it was awesome i stayed up for like two days straight and wanted to like you know stab my eyeballs out but i made it and <laughs> and i think i've got it where i can automate more of it moving forward so that's sitting out there um and i break down every single team all the skill positions um, and then if that's not enough, then you go check out all of Ian's stuff too. And you put them together and then you get Andrew's stuff. And it's like, you know, a Reese's, you got peanut butter, you got chocolate, like, and all together it's goodness and fantasy football greatness. <laughs> yeah, it's like peanut butter and chocolate. I just couldn't think of a third thing to work with the example. Well, it's a Reese's. You just tried to it's, a Reese's. <laughs> it's a Reese's. A salt is good. Yes. It's a Reese's. Yes. It's for Dwayne, for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you all for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Good luck this weekend. Make sure you check out our Sunday morning start sit hour, 10 a.m. We'll be back on StreamYard. Try to get to as many questions as possible. Until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>